Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, it's already the second Sunday of 2020. That's hard to believe that. I mean, it's going fast. The, the days just seem to go bam, 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 you know, and it just it's just clicking off real quickly. And the question I've been asking myself, as I said earlier this year, is how do we thrive and not just survive? And uh, last summer, I, I went out and I bought tomato plants. Anybody here plant garden at all? Anybody beside me? A few of you. I went out and I bought these tomato plants and I um, I dug up and got it all ready as best I could. You remember last spring, it was really wet. It was just nasty outside for forever, forever. I did the best I could. I finally ended up just digging a hole in the ground and putting topsoil in that that was fresh, that wasn't wet yet, and planted my tomatoes in that. But, uh, you know, I couldn't do it normal. But I planted these tomatoes, and, you know, they, they, they survived, but they were real spindly. You ever get those like that? They were just spindly, and they didn't have very much fruit on them. They just kind of didn't really thrive. And there's a difference between thriving and just surviving. And uh, to survive indicates that there's been a downtime. It indicates that there's been a difficult time and that maybe, maybe you're just hanging on and you're still surviving, but you're just hanging on. People in shipwrecks are usually just surviving. They're not really thriving. But I believe God wants us to do far more than that. I don't think God wants us to just hang on by our fingertips. I don't believe God has called his church to just hang on to the edge of the raft and hope for the best somehow. I think God has called us to thrive. I think he's called us to really make a difference. To thrive means to prosper. It means to flourish. It means to grow. It means to advance. I believe God's plan and his will for Muncie First Church and for all of us as individuals is for us as a city even, is for us to prosper. He is looking for us to prosper. So the title is How to Thrive and Not Just Survive. As I said earlier, I love to plant flowers and vegetables. And the first thing I learned is there has to be good soil if the vegetables or the flowers are going to grow. You have to have good soil. I'm fortunate at my house, I have good soil around my, around my land and my house. And, and so I have a lot of good flowers. My, my flowers look like a park. I mean, there's, in the summer, it can be in part of the summer, it looks really beautiful. But if I try to plant if I try to plant tomatoes or a rose bush in hard, rocky clay soil of some kind, no matter how much I fertilize it, no matter how much I water it, they just don't do well. Anybody notice that? They just don't do well. They may survive. I've got some things that I planted that weren't really in great soil, and, and they, they survived. They're spindly. They, they, they're there. They're alive. They got little leaves on them from time to time. They have some semblance of being alive, but they're not thriving. They're not thriving. Tomatoes especially have to have good soil. You got to dig down deep and you got to get the soil all loose. And when you plant them, you plant them down to the almost up to the top leaf and you get it down in there deep. The deeper you go, the more they grow. I mean, that's just uh, something my dad taught me a long time ago. And you put fertilizer and you put stuff in there. I read about a guy who said he puts like dead fish in his tomato plants before <laughs> in his hole there and he fills that all in because it fertilizes, it makes it grow and he gets a good crop. But there's a second thing I learned about growing uh, things, and that's this, that you have to have a good environment or a good atmosphere. And that matters just as much in many ways as the soil does. 
You can't plant tomato plants around walnut trees. Did you know that? Walnut trees are poison tomato. They're poison to tomato plants. They don't do well because of the atmosphere that that walnuts put off with all their acids or whatever it is that's in a walnut. They don't do well, and it's hard to grow tomato plants around walnut trees. All this is the same and true in our church. If we're going to thrive in this year and beyond, we've got to get the soil right. See, part of the problem in our lives is that we don't have the soil right. And we've got to get the atmosphere right as well. What is the soil of the church, of our personal lives? What is the soil of our city if we want our city to grow and to, to prosper? Our soil is hope. That's the basic soil that all of us have to have if we're going to survive. We're planted in hope. It's hope that causes us to really flourish. I don't know if you understand that or not. Hope is so important. Right now, without hope, we're in trouble. People who've lost hope, they die quickly. I've been around people that were fine, but then hope disappeared and and they weren't around much longer. They died quickly when they felt no hope. Have you ever felt hopeless in your life? Have you ever felt like there was no way that you were going to survive? Have you ever felt like everything you did went wrong? Have you ever felt like no matter what, you're in trouble? It's the most awful feeling in the world. And the question is, what do we hope in? Because we have to have the right soil. And the soil that we hope in, or that that we're planted in, matters. And our soil is hope. Our hope has to be in something real. And it has to be in something substantial. It can't just be in whatever. Our hope as a race is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have our hope in Jesus. That's That's where our hope is found. That's the soil that we need to be planted in. That's where we all need to be living in right now. Our hope has to be in something real and substantial. So we have to be planted deeply in the real gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We have to be planted deeply in that good news. That's the soil you've got to be planted in. If you're trying to live your life out of any other soil, you're not going to make it. It's not going to work. You're going to find yourself struggling. That's the struggles that we see in our nation today. We've planted our soil. We planted our nation in something other than the soil of the gospel and the good news. Our hope as a race is in the gospel. We have to be planted deeply in the hope of Jesus, who is, uh, and in the belief that we, uh, that what he says is true, who we believe in and who we know tells us the truth. I read you that scripture. Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has shown us his extravagant mercy for his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So hope, the gospel, is the soil we're planted in. Now Peter is telling us that as believers we're reborn, planted deeply in a living and energetic hope, in an energetic soil because of or through the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Peter is writing, and, and Ian reminded us uh, this, of, of this last week when he preached. He said that, that the gospel is written, first of all, not to you individually. And some people struggle with that, but it's not. Uh, God instructed Paul, Peter, John, and different ones to write, and they wrote to a group of people specifically. Then secondly, it's written to the whole church, and then it's written to us as, as individuals. And that's true. And Peter is originally writing the gospel or writing his book, his letter to people who were losing hope. These people were living in persecution. 
their hope was waning. And, and even if you start with hope, I got to tell you some truth that I've learned. Hope can fade and we can lose hope. During the hot summer months, the soil in our garden, the soil in your flower beds, the soil in your yard becomes less productive as it faces the hardships of weather. I don't know if you knew that or not. Drought can help your soil lose its productivity real quickly. The wrong kind of things. If you put down the wrong chemicals or too much of something, it can kill off what's growing there. The soil gets walked on. And if you walk on soil long enough, it gets hard and try to plant grass where it has been packed down. It's almost impossible for something to grow. The atmosphere can get bad during the summer. It gets too hot. And when it's too hot, things don't like to grow. When it's too hot, they wilt. They don't grow. The air quality dissipates. The people Peter is addressing are facing persecutions of various kinds. They're suffering. They're facing, they're, they're facing abuse. They're being walked on. They're getting crushed. The soil is getting hard. The atmosphere is getting bad. They're grumbling. They're complaining. They're losing hope. They're losing focus on who they are and on whose they are. And life just has a way of doing that to us. Anybody ever feel the anybody here ever feel the pressures of life beside me? Anybody? Anybody want to testify with me tonight and raise your hands and say, hey, yeah, I feel the pressures of life a little bit right now? Yeah. Man, sometimes it just is overwhelming. Sometimes our sense of hope seems to be fading. I've felt my hope waver in the last few years at times over certain things. There's bills to pay, kids' events, aging process, illness, relationship failures, too many demands and too little time. And we have to work and all the negativity that goes on around us wherever we go these days. And if you go on Facebook, the negativity, the negativity, the negativity, and, and every other kind of social media, the negativity. And, and at the church, oftentimes, the negativity. And all these things just smash us down. They crush our hope until we're no longer able to draw what we need from the soil of hope that we're planted in. And, and they poison the atmosphere as well until the air isn't fit to breathe. Oh man, when you walk into a situation and everybody's complaining, the atmosphere, ooh, it's dangerous. I remember watching Star Trek when I was a little kid and sometimes they'd get off of the ship and they would always test to see if they could breathe the atmosphere. Man, sometimes I think that's what we need to do when we walk into circumstances and situations. We ought to test to see, can I breathe in this atmosphere? Because man, I'm telling you, some of the atmospheres that we find ourselves in they're dangerous for us if we're going to survive, if we're going to thrive, if we're really going to become what God wants. I'll tell you, Peter knew the pressure of being crushed down. He had been beaten and jailed. He, he had lost friends, fellow Christians. He watched them die. He stood around and watched while James, the brother of Jesus, was, was, was uh, or James the apostle died. Guy that he had went fishing with since he was a kid. He saw him die because he believed something. He watched the Jerusalem church that had gathered steam when he had preached his sermon and it said two or 3,000 people were saved that day. He watched that church that gathered and he thought it was going to take off. He watched it go boom and it was gone, scattered because of persecution. He stood at the foot and watched the Lord crucified himself. And he denied him three times. And all these things were working to crush his hope. And 
I've got to be honest with you, I watch people, I'm a people watcher, and I try to observe and see what's going on in people's lives, and I watch as young couples, for instance, get married, and they're so filled with hope, and their joy is just overwhelming, and it's fun, because they feel like they got the world by the tail, and they set out to conquer the world, and it's so cool, but little by little, life steals the hope they have, and soon they're just existing, and if they aren't careful, their soil gets all crushed, and the atmosphere in their home gets poisoned, and hope dies, and they die with it and their marriage dies with it. And I got to ask you a question right now. What are the things that are crushing your hope right now? What are smashing you down? What's crushing you right now? What things in your life are making you feel like giving up? See, Peter knew that people had to have hope to thrive. It's an absolute imperative and essential if you're going to thrive and flourish and not just exist, that you be planted in good hope. You know, hope is the source of energy. Soil is the energy, the source that plants live in. It's their energy. It's where they draw the energy that opens them up and makes them grow. And when we're rooted in that good hope, there isn't much we won't try and do. And when we have a good atmosphere and a good hope, we are on fire and nothing can stop us. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. But when you lose hope, when we see our hopes crushed down, when we find our hope poisoned by all the things the world throws at us, when the atmosphere begins to get bad, when our hope, the gospel, our soil, our atmosphere is poisoned by Satan and gossip and slander, and when we see that our goals and our dreams are not going to be met, and when we realize that our dreams are never going to come true, and when we see that what we have believed in uh, to be real is now falling and failing, and when we begin to believe that nothing we do matters, and when we begin to doubt that we have a chance to succeed, we lose heart. We lose our faith. We lose our power to grow. Because the energy and the hope that we are planted in is being sucked out of us. And we find ourselves depressed and giving up. And this happens to us consciously and unconsciously. You know what the first thing that happens when hope is crushed in us? We begin to droop. I see it all the time. People walk in. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Sure, you look fine. You look like a flower that's fading in the sun. <laughs> Your head's down. You can barely move. You've seen me like that probably walking here a few times. Oh, my goodness. Life, it's just so hard. We're droopy. We get down when the hope begins to go out. You know that look when you see your plants. You come home from vacation. When you left, they were all bright and going. And you come in and they're like, because <laughs> no one came over and watered them like they were supposed to. You know? Or they don't get enough water. They fall over. They droop. They look miserable in their pots. And the same thing happens when we're in a tough situation that seems like hope has been drained. We begin to see all the faults with everyone. It's easy to point out the faults when we have no hope. To look around and say, they, they do. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. We can only see the bad things when we have no hope. We can't see a future. We can't look beyond here. We're just hanging on by our fingertips. We're thriving, we're surviving, but we're not thriving. And we begin to not care and we feel listless and everything's bad. So Peter said, here's what you need to do. So I've said all that and I don't want to leave it there. I want to take you now to what to do. And here it comes. Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has shown us His extravagant mercy for His fountain of mercy has given us a new life. 
I got to tell you, things are rough out there right now. They really are. And I know you're going through some stuff. And I know at times it seems like Satan is winning. I know some of your stories right now. Some of you have talked to me this week and you've told me things. And so I know those. And I know a lot of other stories that are going on. And there's health problems. And there's marriage problems. And there's relationship problems with your children and all those things. And it feels rough. And I know you're going through some stuff. And I know that at times it feels like Satan is going to win. And I know that right now in the church at times, it feels like the soil has gotten really beat down and dry. And I know that at times the atmosphere is hard to breathe. But the water, the fertilizer for the soil that we need is to begin to praise and celebrate Jesus Christ. You know that it's almost impossible. I dare you to try this. It's almost impossible for you to praise Jesus and look down. Because when you begin to praise, your head goes up and your hands go up and all parts of you begin to go up. You're just celebrating Jesus. I'll tell you what, when the band started playing this morning and we played uh, uh, A Mighty River, whatever the name of that song is, what is the name of that song? Is that all right? Open up the heavens. There we go. Thank you. And by the way, uh, you know, when Rich couldn't sing, I thank you. You came in, Allison, at the last minute and sang that for us. Thank you. She was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She's amazing. Thank you. But I'll tell you what, when we begin to sing that, it was like it was like fresh water on my soul today. I felt the presence of Jesus begin to pour into me. And my head went up and my hands went up and I couldn't help myself. I was just praising Jesus. It was amazing. It's impossible to declare the praise of God and remain defeated and hopeless. I'm telling you right now. Oh, you might start off and say, well, I said, praise you, God, and nothing happened. Okay, so say it again. And keep saying it again. And keep thinking of the good things of God until it begins to change who you are. It's impossible to declare the praise and remain defeated. Flowers can look all wilted and dead, and then it rains. You ever notice that? You're looking at them, you're thinking, man, things are bad. The grass is brown. I don't know if it's going to make it. And then it rains. And when it rains, man, good things begin to happen. Have you ever noticed that? You go out and all of a sudden everything's green. And the flowers are going crazy. And you're going, wow, a little rain makes a big difference. It rains. It washes the atmosphere clean. Have you ever gone outside after a rainstorm? It smells different. It's washed all the stuff out of the air. And it's clear and it's beautiful and it's clean. And the sun comes out. And the water enriches the soil. And boom, things take off. And praise is like water on dry ground. Praise changes the atmosphere of a place. It washes it clean. And when things are tough and it doesn't look like it doesn't look good and, and it looks like God has given his people nothing. He's given us a weapon to fight with. We just need to praise him. That's our weapon. That's what we got to do. We got to get busy and praise him. That's why when Paul and Silas were in jail in the Philippians, they were in jail in, in Philippi. They'd been arrested for something. They really didn't do anything wrong, but they were arrested. And they decided, well, we'll just at least flog these guys. Has anybody here ever been flogged? No, you have not been flogged. Your dad hit you with a switch. That is not a flog. No. Flogging is a leather whip with stuff in the ends of it and it rips the hide off of you. And if, they, if, if your dad or mom ripped the hide off of you, we need to help you get some counseling because you need some counseling after that. But he had been flogged. They had been flogged. And then they were put in stocks. The stocks are those things where they put those stocks they put their feet in stocks they were locked in the prison and locked in stocks and they're bleeding and they're hurting and life stinks at that point 
And they sit there like that. And for a while, their heads were down. And for a while, they felt like they couldn't do anything. For a while, it looked like it was all over. Then Paul, about midnight, it says, began to say, you know, God is still good. And Silas said he is. And Paul said, I still think it's going to be okay. And Silas said, I, I agree. And they begin to sing. The Bible says they begin to sing. That they begin to sing. And I don't know if they had good voices or not. Who knows? But they begin to sing. And they sang the praises of God. And I think that as they begin to fill up that old prison with the sounds of praise to God and to Jesus Christ for His goodness, all the other prisoners who were locked in that place begin to hear it. And when they begin to hear it, they begin to sing with them. They got onto the tune. And all of a sudden the choir began to erupt out of that jail. And as they begin to sing and as all that was going on in their hearts and all that was pouring into them, God heard it. Now, I don't know if you believe this or not, but I think God likes to hear us sing. I think it pleases God when we praise Him. You know, I, I got grandkids now. And, and, you know, my little granddaughter, Ellie, she's three years old came up to me the other day and she goes and it was some music playing she goes papa dance with me like booty and the beast <laughs> she can't say beauty yet so it's booty and it's pretty cool dance with me like booty and the beast and she wanted me to dance with her you know i told her you know i have not danced with you that's i'm a pastor i'm too dig you know that's not true man she and i danced fred astaire he ain't got nothing on this you know <laughs> When I'm dancing like Booty and the Beast, you know, with Ellie. It was amazing. It was fun. And that's what God did. He began to look at them. He began to see what was going on. He heard their praise. And his heart began to swell. And he got up. And I think God started to dance. And he reached down and got a hold of that jail. And he began to shake it. And the locks sprung open. And they were set free. And they came out of that place. That's what happens when you begin to praise. The atmosphere changed. Hope began to return, and they sang some more, and they continued on until people got saved that night, including the Philippian jailer. See, Paul and Silas began to praise God, and God watered the soil. He refreshed their hope when it seemed hopeless. He changed the atmosphere. He gave them new air to breathe. You know what really gives us hope? You know what will really give you hope when you look at that husband who isn't a believer and you go, there is nothing I can do about him. He just is, he's just a problem in all my life and he never has been a believer. Begin to praise God for him. Begin to praise God for him. Begin to praise God for the man that he's going to become. Begin to believe that and trust that that's true. Begin to say, God, I believe that and I'm going to trust you for what he's going to be to praise God for what's going to happen. You know those kids of yours, they're lost and they're driving you crazy and they have for years now. And you can get so discouraged when you think about them and your head goes down and you feel defeated. I'm going to tell you what to do right now. When you look at them, don't see them that way. Begin to praise God for the man, the woman that they're going to become. Begin to praise God that he's still on the throne. Begin to praise God that he has control over all things and what's going to happen. You're in a tough marriage. 
Sometimes you don't know if it's ever going to work out. And maybe it's not working out. Maybe there's some problems and you're wondering about things. Just begin to praise God right now. Begin to praise Him for the fact that, that He gave you that woman, that man. And begin to love them through praise. And begin to praise. And God is going to begin to do some things in that tough marriage. Begin to praise God for your tough job. It's a job. And begin to praise Him for it. And thank Him for it. Peter said, celebrate. Because you are reborn to experience a living energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know what we need to do right now here in this church? I'm glad we're going to do the meals because I like to eat and I like being with you. So that's a, that's a win-win for me right there. Amen. Thank you. But you know what else we need to do? We need to celebrate that God has placed us here at a time such as this. You know, it'd be real easy to go, well, you know, back in the past, it used to be more people here, and oh my, we had different kind of music, and the music wasn't with bands and stuff like that. We used to have great choirs, and oh, I just, you know, you can do that. But you know what I found every time I look back like that? I found that going, man, it's not fair. Quit doing that. We as a church need to quit doing that. We need to thank God for placing us here in this moment, in this time, and we need to begin to praise Him for the tough times that we go through, and we need to begin to praise Him for all He's ready to do in this church, because I think He wants to do some stuff in this church, but we got to get busy, and we got to quit crying, and we got to quit whining, and we got to start praising God for what He's going to do. And I'm going to tell you something, when you begin to do that, if we walk in here every week and we're just praising the Lord, and we're just worshiping, and we're celebrating Jesus, it's going to renew the soil. And the atmosphere is going to get real clean. And it's going to be conducive to growth. What gives hope and change, uh, what gives you hope and changes atmospheres is coming to know that God is still God. Man, he's still in charge. I know that. I know that today. I've experienced that this week. Man, I've run into some big walls this week. Some stuff that hit me hard right in the face. But God was still God. God is always still in charge. And all that's going on around you and me are just circumstances. And here's the good news. God has already checked out the circumstances. Nothing passes by God, uh, comes to us that hasn't passed by him that he doesn't know about. And he's already checked it out and said, that's good for them. Let them experience it. If they praise me, I'm going to turn it into a blessing for them. And so we celebrate and we praise Jesus because he's gone to the cross and he died. And because I know that Jesus still calms storms. And we celebrate because Jesus knows death intimately. But he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected. And not only was he resurrected, but he promised that you'd be resurrected too. And we celebrate because we know that Jesus is alive right now and that he's pouring life and hope into all who will trust him. He's watering the soil. He's calming the storms. He's getting rid of anything that would poison our atmosphere. He's getting ready to grow and produce fruit in this church. Jesus wants us to thrive. He's defeated Satan. He's overcome death. He is the energy life force that we need. And when all seems hopeless, he shows up and pours life into dead things. You know, Jesus showed up at Lazarus' grave. Did you know at one point Jesus said, well, Lazarus is dead, boys, and I'm glad. He actually said that. Go read it don't believe me get your bibles out read the story he said it he told him he says i'm glad because now i can use this to show you my power i can show you what life's about here everyone was saying it's too late lazarus is dead nothing you can do about it sisters 
His sister said, he stinks. I got four of them. That's exactly what they'd say. They all understand the physical reality of what's taken place. Death is not a good thing. Death is final. Death ends everything. They all lost hope. Every one of them, the sisters, Martha and Mary, told Jesus, yeah, 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 we all know about resurrection in the end days, but they had lost hope. They'd given up. But Jesus was hearing his father, and he understood the power of life. And so Jesus asked them one question. Would you move the stone? Now, here's the truth. Jesus could have moved that stone. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus has no problem doing whatever Jesus wants to do. He could have snapped his fingers. That stone would have been gone. And in fact, I believe that Jesus could have called Lazarus through the stone because he was Jesus and he can do whatever he chooses to do. But Jesus asked them to move the stone because the resurrection of Lazarus depended upon them being willing to have faith and be obedient to Jesus. Our resurrection, our hope is predicated upon our being willing to move the stone in front of the grave of whatever has died in our lives. Here's the deal. Today, right now, we need to move the stone off the grave that it seems like our church is in. We need to pick it up and move it. Jesus is here and he says, I'll resurrect. It's not a problem for me. We can make this thing go. But you got to move the stone. you got to roll it out of the way. You need to move the stone off of our marriages. Our marriages can survive. Our marriages can be awesome. But you got to get the stone out of the way so that I can call forth that marriage. You need to move the stone off our kids. We've declared hopeless. How many of us have said, I don't think there's any hope for my children? We've got to quit saying words like that, first of all. And secondly, we need to move the stone and begin to praise the Lord that they're going to be coming out of that grave alive. If you don't move the stone, if, 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 if when Jesus asked them to move the stone, if they said no, then Lazarus stays in the grave. They had to participate. They had to take the chance. And they moved the stone and Jesus spoke and Lazarus walked out to life. And oh man, there was rejoicing. Hopelessness was turned to hope and the energy of life returned and the atmosphere, atmosphere changed from death to life. Most of us are looking for hope. Oh man, we're desperate for it in these days that we live in. 2020, we're looking for hope. We, we're trying and grasping for it. Everywhere we go, we're looking for it. But man, we're looking for it in the wrong places. Oh, if I could just get my life to be comfortable again, then I'd have hope. We're looking for it in popularity. If everybody just liked me, then we'd have hope. We're looking for it in our stuff. Buy some more. Go on Amazon. Buy some more. I, as long as the package is arriving every day, I'm good. My dog knows those guys really well. It's really sad. We're looking for it in friends and family. We're saying, oh man, if I just had more friends, if my family just paid attention. But the reality is, is that every one of these things can and will fail us, and they can even poison us if we add them in too great a quantity. And none of them by themselves can really give hope. They're not bad things at all. They're just not enough to really count when you're in jail, having been flogged and put in stocks. They're just not enough when you're dead and behind a stone. See, if we believe that hope is dependent upon physical and temporal things, even things like our health, then we're going to be in trouble when cancer strikes or the job goes away or the kids leave home. So again, I want to ask a question. What or where do you find meaning for your life? Are you confident that it will always be the same and never let you down? 
And if you can't say, yeah, absolutely, this thing is going to be there all the way through eternity, then you need to change what you have your hope in. It's not worth counting on. You have to get your roots down in the soil if you're going to survive, I mean thrive in 2020. Live rooted in the hope of new life in Jesus Christ. Secondly, you have to begin to change your focus. You've got to live with your focus on the resurrection. We've got to get our focus off of all the stuff that we don't have and all the things that aren't happening and the way things used to be. Man, one of the worst things that's going on is we got a memory that remembers the way things used to be. It isn't 1959 anymore. It isn't 1969, 79, 89, 99, 09, 19. It's 2020. And now's the only time you've got. The rest of that is memories, but you need to just pack them up. This week, I took boxes of memories that had been in Joanne's apartment in her condo, and I took them over to her to sort through. It took a lot. I got big, giant boxes of memories because she's lived a few decades now, and there's lots of memories. But that's all they are. They're not life. They're just memories. Life is what's going on today, right now, right now. Live with your focus on the resurrection. Get your eyes on that. Get it on what matters. Get it on what will count. Get it on it and stay with it because that's what we need. That's our hope. You need to begin to speak out and change the atmospheres around you. When you walk in and the air is dark and poison, begin to rejoice. Live in the celebration of Jesus and what he's done for you. It changes that atmosphere. Wash it clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. Begin to praise him. Begin to lift him up. You know, when we come in the church, the first things that we should begin to do is just praise the Lord. We should walk in here with praise in our hearts. We should have been praising on the way here. We should praise all week long at home, and we should bring it with us. If somebody comes in here and says to me, well, you know, it used to be like this, but I don't feel it anymore, then their problem. That's their problem. That's because you're not praising. Because if you walk in here with praise in your heart, it's going to stay that way. Come in here and change the atmosphere. Learn to live in celebration of Jesus and what he's done for you. It's amazing. And then we have to understand that the hot sun, dry times will come. But our suffering only lasts for a moment. If we stay rooted in Christ and if we continue to celebrate and praise him, the day of victory and the day of harvest is coming. I promise you that right now. The day of victory is out there. It is coming if we keep our eyes on the cross and on the prize. A few years ago, you might wonder, why is there a big plant sitting on the stage? It's one of those from out there, in case you don't know. I forget what they call these things. Chevaliers. There we go. Thank you. I, I knew it was something like that. Chevalier is what I was thinking. I knew that one, right? That's a four doors and you drive it and it looks like you're an old man. That's it. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. So that is uh, one of those that's out in the front normally. About two years ago, uh, during the winter, uh, well, back years ago, they were planted by George and Kevin Livingood. George and Kevin always do all the flowers outside. If you like that, tell George how great a job they do and Kevin because Man, those guys can grow flowers better than anybody I know. They're just amazing when they grow their flowers. But about, I don't know, about nine, ten years ago, they planted these things. And, and they were so beautiful. And I said, you know, I hate to see those things just die every year. Why don't we see what would happen? Let's bring them in and see what happens. You know, and Billy went, oh, leaves. <laughs> and I brought them in and set them in there. And we started taking care of them. And they flourished. And so that thing's probably 
close to 10 years old, okay? And, and they flourish. Every year we just bring them in. Every year I put them back outside and, and we just water them. So about two years ago, I don't know why, all the others survived and looked great. This one started to die. And all the leaves started falling off of it. And we were sweeping them up. And, I mean, it got down to where it was just thick, basically, on a few green leaves. It was not thriving. It was barely surviving. And so Kevin came to me, and he said, I'll plant you a new one. And I was like, man, that's just a shame because that was so beautiful. And, and, and it's not going to be as big. And it's going to take a long time to get caught up because, you know, they only grow so much a year and things like that. And he said, yeah, I know, but that's just the way it is. So I took that dude, and it was out front, and, I, and by then we put it out front, and it just wasn't thriving at all. And I walked it around, and I left it over here by the air conditioner out of sight where nobody could see its poor little self die. But I just couldn't give up. I just said, I'm going to keep watering. Just I'm going to keep watering fertilizer and see what I can do. And I made sure it had plenty of sun and just, just kept it wet all the time. Just kept watering. And I noticed green started to come back. And just a little at a time. And now you can't tell that one from these. It came back. I think that's a testimony to the truth of what God wants to do in our lives here at this church and in your life and in your marriage and in your, your relationship with your kids and in your situations, wherever they're at. God says, look, you just got to feed it the right thing. Quit trying to do it yourself. I think that's the Dan's good to have you here, but I think that's what we need to do for our city. We've got to start feeding our city and saying good things about Muncie instead of always finding what's wrong with it. When you start watering the city that way, I think God wants to make it grow and flourish. I really do. I think that's true in every one of our circumstances and situations. He wants us to continually lift him up and begin to praise him for what he's done and to turn to him. And when we do that, it will grow. It says, celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has shown us His extravagant mercy. Jesus went to a cross for all of us. For His fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I've asked uh, Rich to come up and he's going to Lead us in a song today. It's an old song. Yeah, some of you old folks are going to love it because you know it, and the younger ones are going to say, huh, I don't remember that song, and that's okay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. That's what we're about. We've got to get it right. We've got to get on track. We've got to get back to pouring praise into him and quit talking about everything bad that's happened and quit trying to figure it out and quit trying to say, I think if I will do this and if we will just buy more of that and we got to just start saying, God, what do you want it to look like? And we just got to start pouring it into him. And when we do, God is going to do something big. Just like that plant, it's going to bring us back to life. He really is. I believe that today. Stand with me and... Um, we're going to sing this, and as we sing, if you feel a need to just say, Lord, I need to pray, maybe uh, in your life you've become a negative person and you, you realize that right now that you've kind of, kind of made it about you and kind of made it about your life and you're really talking about your spouse in such a way that, I mean, it's a wonder that they still talk to you. And maybe you've treated your kids like they're always a problem and 
maybe you're walking around and saying, well, I can see why nobody wants to be here. Well, Muncie really is a, just a, I mean, it's a sucky little town and, you know, Funcy Muncie, you know, you know, a lot of side of things. You know, if you're that kind of person, you need to pray and ask God to help you. I'm serious right now. We need to pray and say, God, help me change that. We aren't going to be that person anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. Amen? Amen. If you need to pray, you can come up and pray as we sing this together.